Hello, everybody, and welcome to Aftersight. I am your host, Penn Street, and I'm so excited. Today is a very special episode, not because of our guest, um, even though that helps, um, but today marks our one-year anniversary of the Aftersight podcast, and today is really special to me because I've been saving this particular guest for our one-year anniversary. And so it's I'm super excited to have everybody. Um, I do want to give a couple of shout-outs. Um, I'm going to be the guest on a podcast, and the name is The Harmony Goal. So please check that out. It's a wonderful, wonderful podcast. If you like Aftersight, I know you'll like The Harmony Goal. The other shout out I, I wanted to give you, if you haven't already listened to my interview with Maddie and Liz from the podcast Courageously Kind, it's a must. Um, their podcast, it's the same thing. If you are enjoying Aftersight, you will really get a kick out of Courageously Kind. So it has been so much fun hosting Aftersight for this entire year, and it's also been fun um, over the last few months, being asked to be on other podcasts. So keep on coming, keep inviting us, keep reaching out to Jonathan um, for those invitations. So today's guest is a hero of many thousands, including me. He's been a mentor of mine for many, many years, and his name is Eric Wyamere. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Penn. Happy um, first year anniversary. We've known each other for a long time. We've been good friends and uh, we see each other a lot at different no barriers and different events around the front range. And, yeah. uh, and I really uh, have loved getting to know you. And, and you even worked at no barriers for a long stretch um, and uh, yes. I appreciate all your service for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, when we come back, we're going to dive deeper into um, Eric Weimer, and I'm hoping that he shares some things that he doesn't always get to share with, with the world. So we will be right back. You're listening to Aftersight with Penn Street, an AINC original podcast. If you enjoy what you hear, please visit AINcolorado.org for more shows, news, and articles read by our amazing staff and volunteers. If you have a question for Penn or would like to recommend a guest for future shows, please visit AINcolorado.org slash podcast dash guest. And now here's your host, Penn Street. Welcome back, everybody. Well, Eric, one of the ways I like to kick off the show is I like to do some rapid fire questions with my guests so that people can get to know a little bit of tidbits about you before we dive in. Is that okay? Awesome. Okay. All Let's right. hear the rapid fire. Do you use a bar of soap in the shower or shower gel? Wow. Gosh, that's getting deep. Um, yeah, I, I use a bar of soap. I'm old fashioned. <laughs> in fact, um, as a climber dirt bag, I barely take showers I, I, every couple days. I was wondering yeah, we if like you to were be greasy. Go there. <laughs> yeah. I was going to yeah. let you go there instead of me take you there. 
Okay. Oh yeah, no, I've gone, I've gone uh, months without showers, like on Mount Everest, for instance. You Absolutely. Know? Um, my friend Kevin, this is really gross, so we'll start the thing out with something sure, really let's gross. Go there. He's a base camp. He was our base camp manager, and he told me, and I think he's lying, but it's funny. He said he brought two pairs of underwear for the two months on the mountain. Oh. He'd wear it for two weeks, and then he'd uh, change it inside out, and then he'd wear it for two weeks, and then oh. by that time. The other side was clean, and then he would flip it back for two weeks and then back again two more weeks. So that's how he got through two months on the mountain. Oh I think it's exaggerated. I hope it is. I hope it is, too. Is he married? Yeah. <laughs> he is married. I don't know how. Hopefully he's changed his ways. <laughs> what, do you, what about ninjas or pirates? Oh gosh, ninjas! Ninjas, way, way cool. I, I, yeah, I agree. I wish I could be a ninja. <laughs> I read a lot of books on ninjas, and like I love. Um, I'm a real. I'm I'm super cheesy. Like I love hero stories. You know, yeah. kind of heroic journey stories. I love Cobra Kai. I love the, you know oh, watching yes. kids fight and have kung fu and romance and uh, and and overcome all kinds of barriers in their lives yeah. uh, through whatever pursuit they they take on in their lives. So yeah, I just I'm a sap like that. Yeah, Karate Kid, the original. I I didn't see the new version, but the original, it was life-changing. It has all the components of storytelling. <laughs> Love, romance, overcoming obstacles, and kicking each other in the face. Exactly. Uh, from standing on a on a pole, right? Like, from yeah. that, that, that top. Awesome. Oh, the crane kick is your, what you're yes, thinking of. Yes. Yeah, and he... he he hops on one foot and does this huge high kick and kicks the guy in the head. Yeah. A little bit unrealistic, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> and I think his leg was broken or something when he did it. There was something exactly. even added. Yeah. Okay. So this one is interesting to me because of you being blind. Um, is I always get different responses. Carpet or wood floors? Well, I would tell you I'm a carpet guy because I like the like softness of it mm -hmm. and, and the stealth of it, you know? Yeah. Um, the feeling under my toes, but I know carpets are, are wildly um, dirty. Yeah. So, and especially with my guide dog, yes, Zena, we got hardwood floors now. So, um, so yeah, I think they're more sanitary. So yeah. even though a little more austere, I think they're better. Yes. Yeah. And to me, I like wood floors because I can, like you said, with the carpet, it's stealth. But with wood floors, you know, if I have a serial killer in my house, I could hear them coming better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good. <laughs> well, with Halloween coming up, uh, do you like scary movies or romantic comedies better? Oh, I like them both, but I love scary movies. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's really kind of embarrassing, but I love like Stephen King novels. Ooh, me too. I love them. I've read probably every Stephen King novel out there. Yes. Some of them, as he's gotten older, are a little hit or miss, but man, I'm just yeah. a huge fan. And I think he's an amazing storyteller and I love to be scared. I love that feeling of of mystery and things that we don't understand that are beyond us. I think that's yeah. just, it, I don't know, it gives me goosebumps. Yeah. And bringing up new things to be scared of i think <laughs> right exactly yeah. yeah he creates very unlikely things that, and, and makes them scary yes exactly like and the cool thing about him is also that he it's not just a scary story it's he develops the characters and you actually kind of like the people that you're reading about and you're rooting for them exactly even some of the characters that you probably shouldn't be rooting for but he you get to know them so well that you do feel like you're connected with them yeah, so, for sure. I agree. I agree. Okay. I always ask this question too, because music is really important to me in my life. Um, if you had a theme song, what would it be? Uh, I could get super cheese and tell you like Eye of the Tiger or something like that. <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> 
There are certain songs, I'll just say this, I'll keep it general. There are certain songs that just fill me with emotion and there are certain songs that do nothing for me. Yeah. So like right now I'm learning on my guitar. Literally, I've been working on it all morning. I should be working and doing emails and doing all <laughs> kinds of things, but I'm not. I've been sitting all morning learning a song by Guns N' Roses called November Rain. And it's just Ooh. beautiful and sad and tragic and romantic. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really beautiful on my acoustic guitar. Oh, well, I, you, your first film about when you climbed Everest, David Gray was the soundtrack. And David Gray is yes, one of my favorites. He's my, oh my gosh. Yes. And that's the song called Babylon. Yes. And it's that. just awesome. And it's even like, I've been blind and I, yep. you know, there's a lot of references yes, to, exactly. to not seeing and now being kind of illuminated. And yes. And uh, the, the coolest part of that story was that we were up at, 24,000 feet at, at the, on the Lhotse face. It's a Lhotse camp. And they were trying to motivate us from base camp. And so they played that song, Babylon, oh. over the radio. And I went, wow, music sounds so beautiful up here. It's, yeah. like, it's almost like um, the lack of atmosphere sort of creates a, a more stark, more beautiful, crisper sound mm -hmm. through space. and. Um, I said that very organically, and then they sent that clip over to David Gray's people, oh. and he gave us the song to, wow. to use for the film because he was so touched. So, so that was really nice. It really added to me. It really added to the film. It it it, it just seemed to go hand in hand. Perfect. To me. Yeah. So it was great. Yeah, I loved it, it was great. Mm -hmm. Well, Eric, um, you know, I think a lot of our listeners out there. You know, they they know about you. You were the first blind person to summit Mount Everest and you went on to summit the highest peak on each continent. You know, your incredible, you know, trip down the Grand Canyon with Lonnie Bedwell, you know, that a lot of those stories are out there. You you speak about them a lot, but it would be I would like to kind of dive into some things that you don't get to talk about very often, or even some questions that I've always had for you and just have never had a situation to sit down with you and ask. Is that okay if we go in that direction? Oh my gosh, yeah. Okay. You got me nervous. What's she going to ask? <laughs> wow. Well, you admit. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll stay out of the shower like that first question. Um, but <laughs> you you talk so much about barriers in people's lives. And of course, the nonprofit that you and some of your buddies founded NoBarriersUSA.org, um, check them out, is so you talk about how you can overcome barriers and you talk with people about their barriers. But I don't know as if I've ever heard you talk about your barriers. So right now in your life, what would you say is your biggest barrier? Well, one... And I'm not quibbling because I, you know, but, but I, I always, I, this may be an important distinction for me because when I talk about barriers and I talk about people getting shoved to the sidelines mm -hmm. and in life, you know, there's like a million things that can shove you to the sidelines yeah. and now you're kind of hanging and stagnating in this dark place. And, you know, you desire to get back into the thick of things to reclaim your life in some way and live your best life. But you, you need the tools, you need the team, you need you know, it's something as a catalyst to kind of propel you back into that place. Yeah. Uh, and and I don't necessarily know if you overcome your barriers 
Some of them you do, of course, like you have a barrier of technology or something and you learned the technology and now you've overcome it. But like for you or me, like blindness, we're not going to overcome blindness. (laughs) Um, We're never going to overcome it. We're never going to overcome our disability. So it's this very tricky um, terrain between what I can impact, what I can influence in my life and what I can't. And I'm not going to change the fact that I'm blind, but what I can do is kind of harness that that challenge, harness it, you know, kind of take the adversity that swirls around us and harness that energy and use it to propel us forward to new places and kind of be like fuel or like purpose that that flips the script so that that disability, that blind thing becomes something that we draw upon mm-hmm. from, with fuel, uh, with power. And so I, I do think it's possible to harness our challenges and use it to go to very cool places in our lives. For me, um, gosh, I mean, technology is always a barrier for me. Yeah. You know, I'm not that great at sol- solving problems on the computer. <laughs> I always bring in like a friend or an expert to help me out. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, a, I, I'm a huge procrastinator. Like I told you, like I should be doing a million really important things instead of just playing my guitar for hours and hours yeah. sitting around when I'm home. You know, I, I, I've had challenges in relationships, you know, like my marriage fell apart a couple years ago and that's just been this thing I've been working through in the second half of my life. Like how do yeah. I become a better human being? You know, I've climbed all kinds of mountains, but that doesn't make you a good person. Right. You know, it makes you ambitious and it makes you, um, driven and 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 physical and so forth focused you know all those good things but it doesn't necessarily make you a better more evolved more spiritual human being so yeah in the second half of my life that's really the direction i'm going in i i want to um keep climbing for as long as i can yeah but um i want to find meaning and connection off the mountain as powerfully as on the mountain and that's really been my goal yeah and then I also know somebody who was very, very close to you. Your father passed away not too long ago, who I had the pleasure of meeting several times and having some really meaningful and beautiful conversations over the past years with him. And I know that that was definitely a huge, huge blow for you because I know how close yeah. you were. Well, you know, look, I'm in the human club of, you know, of, of things that happen that yeah. you got to work through, you know? Yeah. My mom died in a car accident when I was 16 and that yeah. really has impacted the rest of my life. And, uh, my dad passed away. My brother died of alcohol related challenges. So yeah. yeah, I mean, how do you, you know, death is like the, the greatest adversity out there. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't know how to really process it, you know, because you, you miss those people till the day you die. Yeah. Um, and they've impacted my life in all kinds of amazing ways. Yeah. Uh, and so um, the best thing we know how to do, I guess, is just to take their strengths and their spirit and carry it with us and uh, and remember them as best we can and honor them through what we do, what we decide to do in our in our own lives. Yeah, and I think that is almost the ultimate gift that those we love do for us. You know, I lost my brother to esophagus cancer Mm, and he was the one that really pushed me to 
become part of No Barriers in the organization. And it was a dream job. And he really pushed me to, Penn, if it's your dream, you don't need to keep doing what you were doing just because that's where you got your degree. And that's where, you know, sort of society says, well, you better stay there because it's safe, right? Um, and if no barriers is your dream, go after it, you know? And, yeah. and so every, you know, and then when he got diagnosed, um, there was somebody on staff whose father had been diagnosed with the same cancer at the same mm-hmm. time. And we, we both talked about it actually um, on the river in the Grand Canyon. We stay up at night and talk about that and what those connections meant. And yeah. we're very supportive of each, of each other with, with not only the grief, because both of them were alive at the time, but passed away shortly after, but what that meant. But we knew that, you know, it was a, it was a death sentence for them. And, yeah. But how could we carry on the love and, and the ways they had touched our lives. Yeah. And and I definitely, you know, I call him my Superman, um, you know, and he. Yeah. And it makes you realize that time is finite and that like relationships are finite. And so now how do you just focus in on better love and empathy and connection with the people that are here still? So I, I think it does in a way make us more appreciative, more have more gratitude for for what's in front of us. I mean, yeah. You know, when I look at like my brother, it's not totally the whole thing, but like I remember sitting down at one of our No Barrier Summits and realizing that part of the reason I founded No Barriers was because of my brother. I mean, I, he, he, he couldn't stop drinking. He tried to quit a thousand times and um, he just couldn't, couldn't do it. He was a beautiful man and he, yeah. and he lost that battle. And I thought, okay, I can't win that one, but, but I can't help other people break through their barriers. And so what's the tool kit that we have to implement? That's the, what's the mindset that we have to develop internally so that we can break through those barriers. And so, yeah, I mean, good things happen even from death. Absolutely. I I definitely agree with that. And actually some of our staff here at Audio Information Network of Colorado, we were just talking about that, just hanging out in the hall this morning um, about those people that we love that aren't with us physically anymore, but they're still, they're still here and we can, you know, still live our lives with some of the advice that they gave us and, and totally. things like that. So yeah, definitely. my dad was such a powerhouse yeah. in my life. Um, such a powerhouse. And I think I'm not going to let that guy's legacy die right. when he dies. I'm going to keep it alive. And it's more important than ever that I keep it alive. Yes. You know, um, so it's not a waste, you know, so it lives on through me, you know, all the great things he taught me. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, my dad was like one of the originators of No Barriers yeah. in a certain way as well. Yeah. Um, you might have heard me talk about at the at, at the last summit yes. when I was on stage. I told the story where when I was going blind, I, w- I loved uh, Evil Knievel back then. And <laughs> I would take my little mountain bike and I would fly down my gravel driveway. And I would hit these ramps and I would fly through the air and th- over, over between the ramps. And I'd land on this big plyboard landing ramp. And there was one day I couldn't see the ramp anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got really frustrated. I kept riding off the side and I, could, it, I was going blind so fast mm-hmm. and I was so frustrated. And my dad went down, uh, he was in the garage and he was watching me struggle. And he went down and painted the ramps a bright orange. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I came down the next day for another try thinking I wasn't going to have success. And I see these bright orange 
ramps contrasting the pavement <laughs> and i could i could jump my bike for maybe another six months before i went totally blind yeah and i thought man my dad could have easily said no more bike riding that makes sense but instead he opened a door yeah you know he kind of illuminated the runway for me Absolutely. and he showed me the way forward and that's no barriers right yeah. there so he knew it he got it somehow yeah before it even existed yeah Absolutely. I mean, every time I, I feel like barriers is a word, you know, it's kind of like when people buy a new car, all of a sudden you see, oh, there's a lot of people that have this car. Um, and so when I got involved with barri no barriers, I feel like there really wasn't, people weren't using that word very often. And, you know, since then, of course, I feel like it's used a lot. Um, yeah. About barriers. Well, maybe we had a bit of an influence on that. But the <laughs> irony of it is funny. It's no barriers. Yeah. But really, it's an acknowledgement there are a hell of a lot of barriers <laughs> in are. the world. Yeah. I mean, really, in a way, our name should be shitload of barriers. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what our logo is, as you know well, Penn, which is what's within us is stronger than what's in our way, which means like what we can summon up inside of us can overcome those very real barriers that exist in the world. They're <laughs> out there. You know, they're not going to change. What changes is us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And going along with that, Eric, I wanted to ask you, you know, again, like you've done all these just amazing, amazing things, accomplishments. But what do you feel is your biggest accomplishment to this day? Well, I think my my biggest accomplishment was uh, maybe bringing home my son, Arjun, from oh, Nepal. Um, yeah. We adopted. We we. We chose to adopt a little boy from Nepal. We kind of looked all over the world, and then we kind of settled on Nepal because I sort of had this connection with the country and the, yeah. the people. And, uh, you know, like I had this amazing Sherpa, Angpasong, and uh, he was with me when I reached the South Summit. And, uh, you know, he might have like a fifth grade education, this guy. Yeah. And he was, he was with me. He had partnered with me, and he trusted this blind guy. You know, if I had fallen down dead in the snow, uh, he would have stayed there with me. Mm. He might have died himself, you know? And yeah. so I'm thinking this guy who is honoring me with his trust yeah, um, and, his, and his partnership. And um, I, I just found that so beautiful, that like spirit of optimism and trust and, and love and loyalty. And I thought, this is where I want to adopt a little boy. Mm. And so my wife was just an incredible um, powerhouse asset to the process because I'm not uh, really super detailed oriented. She had like, you know, um, Venn diagrams of like all the things that we had to hurdles that we had to push through, you know, mm. to bring this little boy home. There was a civil war happening in Nepal at the time. Wow. And uh, so they shut down all adoptions. Oh. And uh, and we sat there. We sat there for a year, um, not thinking we'll ever bring this kid home. Oh. And then um, the, somebody had pressured, like it was like the the king of Spain or something had pressured the Nepali government to uh, to open up adoptions again, and they squeaked a, like I don't know, 150 people through, and we were one of them. Oh. And so uh, we. My wife and daughter sprinted over to Nepal and we went through like a month of paperwork and just crazy, you know, processes trying to, uh, trying to get this guy home. And eventually, yeah, yeah we all flew home to, 
together. Wow. How old was yeah. he when, when you got to finally bring him home? He's five. He was five. Okay. Five-ish. We don't five-ish. really know. He might have been like a you know, 20 year old little person or something. We don't really know, but yeah, he, he apparently he was five and now he's 20. So yeah. And now he's at university of Vermont and, uh, wow. he's doing well. He's trying to figure out what his life looks like. You know, he joined a fraternity. He's got great friends. He's oh. really smart. So, wow. Yeah. The coolest part was, um, I was climbing a huge ice face in Nepal. It's called Losar. It's a Tibetan new year. Mm. It's a 3000 foot vertical, huge wall of ice. Wow. And um. I decided to just go back to Nepal to meet this little guy and say, uh-huh. hey, we can't bring you home right now, but we're still out there. I want you to know. Oh. And um, I visited him for like a week and uh, man, he just came to my hotel and he ate like this <laughs> huge club sandwich and then he ate all the French fries and then he started drinking the ketchups out of the cups. Oh. <laughs> he was starving. And then he oh. went up to my part, my um, hotel room and he climbed up on the tv and he started eating all the fruit out of the basket like he was starving oh he was starving yeah and uh then i went off to climb this huge ice face and i reached the top and we rappelled down it probably took us 10 hours to rappel down and i got down to namche bazaar which is the capital of the kumbu and i called my wife and she said um they're squeaking us through and i'll tell you i know it's not it's you know we look for patterns that maybe yeah. aren't there, but I swear I on the top of that climb I said a prayer like let me bring this boy home, oh. and I got down, and uh, they squeaked us through. Yeah, wow. How did you? I know you talk about it in in your first book about what it was like being a dad, um, but I how how do the kids? They're not kids anymore, but they'll always be kids to me because that's what I remember them as. Is I, and I'm not going to ask you, you know, how do you be a dad and be blind at the same time? Because I know how to do that. But is how is it for them that you're that you're really well known? You're you're a superstar. You're famous. Um, you know, you got to you get to hang out with all these amazing, you know, super famous people. How is that for them? Do they do they treat you? You know, or they're no, just they like, oh care. no, you're just. <laughs> yeah, they don't care. Like you, you get propped up in the world, and you come home, and you get you get deflated because <laughs> your your kids don't care. They're like, "Hey, get down on the floor and play with me and help me with my homework." And, exactly. And if you're not willing to do that, I don't care how famous you are. Yeah. Um, and um, my kids, though, I'm really proud of the fact um, that I was able to take them on all kinds of adventures mm-hmm. and plant some good adventure seeds within them. Yeah. So. Like we would go on these cool kayaking and rafting trips down rivers. And my kids grew up on their summer vacations on the side of rivers, building forts and wallowing in the mud like little piglets and just being so creative and loving, like catching tadpoles and crawdads. And um, they were never bored. They were always dirty and never bored. (laughs) And, and, And the other thing I'm proud of, is that, uh, you know, coming to so many No Barriers events, yeah. you know, they've seen every disability under the sun. Yeah. Um, you know, they, you know, somebody will reach out and they'll have like a clamp instead of a hand. Yeah. And my kid, you know, some kids would like look and hesitate. My kids will just reach out, shake that clamp and say, hey, it's fine. Some people have hands, some people have clamps. That's right. That's <laughs> and, right. And, uh, and then there was this little blind boy who had, was having some trouble in high school and my daughter 
he came into the uh, classroom and he was late and he was like fumbling around trying to find his chair. <laughs> Nobody would help him. Oh. Emma jumps right up and just like, hey, buddy, there's a seat right over here. She like knew how to help, you know, like how to be supportive and cool about it. Right. Yeah. I'm sure and, she with, didn't just grab him and drag him over to the chair. No, either. she did not. But she's just like, hey, buddy, there's a chair right over here. She did it like totally the right way. and Just yeah. like saved him from. You know, embarrassment, because in high school, you're oh, embarrassed about everything. Yeah, everything, course, it doesn't you know? matter, right? <laughs> yeah, and and so my kids kind of know how to make decisions and handle themselves. And uh, we also used to have uh, what we called no bear, uh, excuse me, we'd have them, we'd call them wine mare challenges. Oh. You know, it'd be like, swim out in Grand Lake, it's like 50 oh, degree, burp. you know, water. And yes. flip your kayak, and then flip it back, and paddled back to shore, you know, and <laughs> I, I don't know. They'll either hate me and be traumatized by that or they'll or they'll do it with their own kids. I kind of think they're going to do it with their own kids. Oh, I was going to ask you, did either one of them sort of catch that bug of really pushing themselves to the limit in the outdoors like you do? Not really in the outdoors, but that's the beautiful part about parenting and the kind of slap in the face of parenting as well, is that you think your kids are going to be little prototypes of yourself and I'll teach them how to be great climbers. No. They they tried climbing. They're good climbers. They're good kayakers too, but yeah. they didn't take to that. My daughter wants to be a veterinarian. Oh. And she's working as a as a vet tech at a at a hospital, at a clinic. Oh. And she's learning tons and tons and she's really driven and she works very hard. It's a good lesson for a parent that your kids aren't going to be like you, but the essence, the osmo the osmosis of 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 that conversion of what what your spirit is as a parent will 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 stay right exactly exactly um, Eric this is you know you had mentioned earlier about tools that we use and if you have the right tools um, you know it makes life a lot you know makes those barriers a little bit less or maybe you can even overcome a barrier if you have the right tool what would you say your your main go to tool is to get through your day. Well, in terms of technology, I love this um, this this subscription service called Ira. Yes, um, Ira, and uh, I encourage other blind people to go check it out. I I know there's like another service. What is it like? Uh, be my, my eyes be, or something. Be my, be my eyes. eyes. Yes, um, Ira, you have to pay for, it, but you really get professional people. So, like yesterday, I needed to order stuff on Chewy.com for my dog. I needed to order some stuff on Amazon. I ordered. I needed to order some stuff on Instacart. Some groceries. I did it with with them, and uh, sometimes I have complex banking it, it, information, and I'm a little bit like nervous, like typing in my credit card. And I'll I'll work with IRA agents. They can uh, actually get on your computer, and they can um, uh, they can kind of be ghost operators of your That's computer. Right. And and, and of course they're under strict privacy rules, so they're you, they're very safe, and you can trust these these agents. Right. Um, but you can, it's like a concierge service for the blind and it's really amazing. Like I've been lost in a mall and it's funny that just because you climb Everest blind doesn't mean you don't get hideously freaking lost in a mall. But you can't find the gap, I, right? <laughs> I couldn't find, I couldn't find, I was trying to get to the hotel at the end of the, of the, of the mall. Oh, okay. And I was just turned around and I was like, oh yeah, what about Ira? I tried, called him up. I stuck my phone out there, like navigated me to the hotel and I got my meeting. I was like ten minutes late, but uh, <laughs> but but yeah. So that's a really it's a really good tool, and it gives people more confidence. You know, when they go out on their own, um, knowing that you can have a little support if you get wildly disoriented. Well, Eric, you had mentioned about your dad's legacy, and that you want to make sure you 
carry that out, which, which you have been doing and you'll continue doing. What about your legacy? Look, I don't know. I'm too close to that. It's hard to answer that question. Yeah. I'm too close to myself, you know? Um, but I do know, you know, like wait, maybe when people, um, they, they look at a blind person climbing a mountain or kayaking the Grand Canyon. It's pretty outlandish, I guess, in a way, you know, uh, it maybe it takes what they think is possible and not, and it kind of. I think first it has to shatter it, mm-hmm. so it kind of you explode the vase, you know, and then they have to rebuild it, and now it's better, it's stronger. There's more opportunity, there's more possibilities, there's more more uh, belief, you know. So I think maybe some of the adventures I've done have created, you know, and expanded people's perceptions a little bit in the world. Um, and I'll tell you, like, there's a floodgate of people with challenges doing all kinds of amazing things yeah. around the world, especially in the outdoor world. Yeah. Uh, but also, I hope, you know, just like like I talked about with my kids, they don't care whether I'm famous or not. <laughs> they want you to get on the floor and play with them. And, you know, I think the folks I've interacted with at No Barriers, all the veterans, all the youth, the people with physical challenges, the people who struggle emotionally uh, with invisible challenges, fear, doubt, anxiety. Uh, you know, PTSD. Yeah. Uh, you know, I hope the people I've come in contact with and interacted with, I've maybe, you know, helped to be a catalyst uh, for them to break through their own barriers and pursue some of their own dreams. So yeah. being a catalyst is a beautiful thing. Yes. And you definitely, and, you know, my that. team, my Everest team, they believed in me, you know, and they helped me get to the summit and they, you know, they gave up three months of their lives and years training together. And we had the most successful, one of the most successful climbs ever on the history of the mountain. And so, you know, I kind of feel like it's my role now as I get older, uh, hopefully become a little more mature (laughs) (laughs) to, to help be, be that team for other people. Uh, I'm not the only person, but I, I can be part of their, what we call it, no barriers, their rope team to support them and lift them up a little bit. And uh, I think that's a powerful role. Yeah, in the, you know, that model of rope team. I mean, I use it almost daily. Well, I think I do use it daily. And I think people get tired of me using that reference. (laughs) But it's definitely, you know, instilled in me and my rope team continues to to grow. And so, Eric, describe to people what rope team is because... I, well, I take, take it, it for the, granted that people know what that means, yeah. but so every once in a while I'll be like, Penn, I, I don't know what that is. It's a simple concept. I mean, none of these no barriers sort of curriculum, none of, none of the stuff is rocket science. But I mean, it's a rope team comes from the mountains because when you enter a glacier onto a glacier as a team, you're physically roped together with the people around you. So, you know, you can pull people to the summit if you, you know, sometimes people have a, a, a bad day and you're, you're hauling them. Like a tuna, they call it hauling tuna, actually. Oh, really? Or Yeah. And then sometimes somebody will fall and they'll drag you down too. So you mm-hmm. throw yourself down on your ice axe. Yeah. And you hammer that blade into the snow and you stop that person from going. So it's this interconnected feel of what a team should mean. You know, I think for me, it's like a great metaphor because it kind of takes the idea of a team or community to the next level thinking, even though we're not physically roped together. You know, we're connected emotionally, spiritually, yeah. Um, in terms of our pursuits and so forth, in terms of our mindset, and yeah. we can, and it just kind of emphasizes how important each person's role is 
um, whether they be leading or following. Um, but it's everyone's, I guess, obligation, mine included, not to be like a token blind guy, but to right. but to be a reason why my team gets a few more inches up the mountain, whatever that means. Yeah, I mean, I I've climbed a lot of mountains with you, um, not 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 Everest, of course, but you know. I remember when we did the 14ers for the What's Your Everest climb um, near Breckenridge. And that was that was such a hard climb for me. And I just had my uh, right eye removed and was dealing with that pain. And my lung had collapsed before, right before going up. And the doctors really wow. didn't want me to go. Yeah. But it was <laughs> like I had been on climbs with friends that we were going to you know, summit 14ers. And every single time we would get close, we would always have to turn around and go back. And I'm like, this is the one time that I know no matter what, I will be able to make it to the top. And it was because it's that rope team mentality that was built into that event. And so I was like, you know, I'm probably at the weakest <laughs> that I've ever been trying to climb, but I knew that though the people that we were with, that I was going to be able to do it. And I did it. And um, I do remember when I got to the top, uh, your wife, Ellie, looked at me and she said, Penn, you don't look so good. <laughs> and I said, uh -huh. well, I know I'm really struggling. And and she, you know, she kind of sat me down, got me some water, and she goes, you're still not looking. <laughs> and I, you know, explained to her kind of what I was going. She goes, you, you've done it, you've made it. Um, and they, you know, snapped the epic picture like they always do at the top. And she came over and she's like, you need to go down now. <laughs> and, and I did, but it was, but I never could have done it if, if it wasn't for that no barriers you know, spirit that what's within you stronger within what's in your way, that whole rope team mentality. Because as you know, there were people, you know, there, you know, there was a couple of veterans with prosthetic legs and, you know, is creating blisters, uh, you know, at the joint. And, but they were, they were making it like we, we all made it right. You know, some of us, it wasn't pretty by the time we got to the top, but, but we all did it. And it is that, you know, rope team mentality. And I, you know, I really, I don't mean to get preachy, but like, I love that because I mean, that's what a lot of our no barriers events are about. Yes. You know, it's like, we'll have our, what's your Everest event that you've organized many times. Yeah. It's not to get yourself to the top. It's to help get your rope team to the top. Absolutely. So you might be working with somebody in a wheelchair, cranking their way up with a hand cycle Yeah. or um, a grit freedom chair. Um, or um, maybe somebody who's a quadriplegic who needs a lot more help, or maybe a blind person where you need to jingle a bell in front of them and maybe exactly. give them some directions, or a deaf person, or a person with cerebral palsy, or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's a beautiful concept to say like, okay, it's not like I'm going to be independent and charge the summit on my own, but how do we kind of connect with each other? Yeah. And 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 elevate each other so that people can kind of like unleash their own potential and be the best person they can be Absolutely. in their lives. Absolutely. And that's like, in a way, maybe I'm cheesy, but this is like what diversity is about. Yeah. Right? Like the, it's such a buzzword right now. Right? Yes, it is. It's so simple. It's just like, how do you support people so that they're not on the sidelines so that they can reach their own summit and they can contribute back to the world 
Yes. It's not an altruistic charitable thing. Exactly. It's, it's, it's really about productivity and, and having people that can contribute to the world instead of being on the sidelines with their talents wasted. Exactly. And I mean, I'm sure you've heard me say this, but one of the things that really stands out to me and still stands out to me, it's where disabilities disappear. And it's because those, the people that are like physically strong can help those that are not physically strong. And so they use, you know, instead of just racing to the top to be the first one up there, they're the ones that are really digging in and pushing and pulling and lifting up and supporting somebody who is not physically strong, you know. But I've also seen, you know, those people that are, you know, that are in wheelchairs, you know, like, you know, our dear friend Melissa and her her attitude and her, you know, moxie um, is something that I don't always have. And so it's wonderful hiking with Melissa because she lifts me up and she pushes me with, with, with that, those parts that I, that are not strong in me. So it sort of equals the playing field for all of us. and, And we all, we all get up there together and it's, it's, it's something yeah, that, when you see somebody too, like pouring their heart out and wanting to live this no barriers life. Yeah, you know, like I just went over to France and I was speaking to a company and I was like, I got to go by this incredible gorge, the deepest gorge in Europe. It's called the Verdun Gorge, and uh, I didn't know anybody, so I hired a guy and I was thinking, is he going to baby me? No, you know, like what's it going to be like? Yeah, we climbed together. He watched me climb for a half an hour and he went, "Okay, we're ready." <laughs> and we went and climbed the longest route. We climbed the longest route in the Verdun Gorge, wow. like eleven hundred feet. And he said it was the best day he's ever had guiding mm. someone. And, it, and and I thought, is it because I'm climbing? Well, I mean, I'm climbing okay. That's I didn't think that was the point. I think what he was right. saying was, like, I connect with people who give their full heart yeah. to whatever they're doing Absolutely. and have a gratitude and appreciation and, and want to get out there. And it doesn't matter what level you're at, but just they want to push themselves and they want to live fully. Yes. That's like a powerful connection that we all kind of, I think it's archetypal in, in you know, as human beings, yeah. we, we just want to connect with those people. And so back to that, Melissa Simpson, who has cerebral palsy, yeah. we helped her get to the top of a 13,000 foot peak in her grit freedom chair. Yeah. She's got that spirit. Yes. And how, how can't you be a part of that? Yeah. It's contagious, right? I mean, you can't. Totally. You can't be part of that and not and not feel it, and it makes you a better person because she's showing, you know, she's shining a light on on things that she can do that I can't do, and and vice versa. It's such a great when she got to the top and stood up <laughs> out of her grit freedom chair, stood up and took a photo. I the whole team was crying, yeah. and it was I it was as powerful as me reaching the summit of Everest. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, Eric, what's next for you? Um, do you have any, you know, big goal coming up that you want to share? Well, I want to, you know, COVID kind of beat No Barriers down a little bit like yeah. so many organizations. So we yeah. want to grow back and really want to have as big an impact on the world as possible. I think the world really needs No Barriers. Yeah. Um, you know, it really needs this new mindset of what brings us together, how we lean in and help each other uh, instead of all the divisiveness yes. that we see in the world right now. So I think it's particularly needed right now. Yes, absolutely. Um, I also have incredible, like lots and lots of climbing goals still. Yeah. 
Um, you know, I don't know how long I'll be at it at a hard level, um, but uh, like I'm heading to Patagonia oh. with a friend. We're going to make a film project. There's a cool um, area called the Towers of Pina. Ooh. Uh, it's a, uh, I, it's, I think it really means pine, like towers of like there's pine trees around it but i think i think i but but i think it's been translated and people call it the towers of pain because you get tons of wind (laughs) and tons of rain and really bad weather so you might be there 20 days and get like two or three days of clear weather wow and so i've been holding off to going to patagonia but i got talked into it and i'm going with some friends and we're going to make a film climbing one of the towers of pain oh awesome in, in january so and then in April, I'll be in Wadi Rum, Jordan, uh, climbing. So um, really still trying to push it and, and, and climb uh, big, beautiful routes around the world. And, you know, like people have said, oh, haven't you, you know, proven that you've, you know, you can do all this stuff already? Like, meaning like, like I've been doing this stuff to prove that like I'm worthy or something. No, I want to climb as long as I can because it's a celebration. Yeah of what we can do together. It's, it's beautiful. The connection is so powerful. Um, and so, yeah, I want to keep going as long as I can. That's awesome. Um, what, so I'm guessing that film will be, cause I know your previous films were in, you know, pretty well seen, you know, they were at the film festivals and things like that. Is it, is it one that we'll be able to find? Uh, yeah, you'll be able of, to see it. Okay, great. And, um, my film Weight of Water yes. is uh, won the Banff Mountain Film Festival, yes. and that's on Amazon Prime, I believe. Okay. And then we have a bunch of stuff on YouTube, uh, like the Melissa film that we made yes. that you were a part of. Yes. That's out, and that's won tons of awards. Yes. And then uh, the newest film that we made, a little 20-minute film about Kara, Kara, yes, excuse me, Cara. who's got a traumatic brain injury, um, and uh, her, her um, when she was five, she was skiing and she stopped in the snow and somebody came over the hill and didn't see her and just uh, her ski went through her skull and so her life will never be the same yeah. but she's got this incredible support system up in glenwood springs and uh, so we made a little film about her uh, life and then you know her no barriers pledge which was to hike back up to the accident site to sort of confront the past and think about where she's going in her life. Yeah. And she did uh, it. So I mean, it was amazing. She did it. Yeah. It was beautiful. And then she has another goal of doing a climb. We, we actually, she, we interviewed her and her mom, Alice at the summit and they shared, they have another goal. And I can't remember the name of the mountain. I think it's a climb Mount Sopris. Sopris. That's what it is. Yes. And that's, you know, we, <laughs> Sopris is about a hundred times harder yeah. than what we did. So yeah, we'll see. It's yeah. going to be a good one. <laughs> well, keep me on the list if you're part of that, because I would love okay. to do that. I would love to do that. Um, yeah. So, so Eric, what would your big takeaway for people today in the audience? You know, they're, they may be, you know, sitting in their cars or maybe in their, you know, homes or wherever they are around the world today, what would be, you know, something that you would like them to take away today? You want me to get all lofty and motivational here? Ted? <laughs> One, um, it's a little cheesy, but I'm okay. so, I'm, I so buy into this idea. Um, I, I call it the open heart policy, mm-hmm. you know, like when these bad things happen to us, it's the tendency to get like a little bit crusty to build up armor around you and kind of protect yourself from the world. But 
And that's the logical maybe thing that we do. You know, we protect ourselves. Yeah. But how do you strip away that crust and, and stay open hearted to the world, to the possibilities out there? You know, when I went blind, man, I was so bitter and angry, but there was just a sliver that said, man, I'm not done. I, I want to, I want to live. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that looks like. Cause I can't see through that brick wall. Yeah. And so my open heart said, okay, somebody said, you want to go uh, rock climbing? Yeah. You want to go <laughs> take the train into New York city and get a fake ID? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I just had an open heart and, and, uh, cause I wasn't done. Yeah. And, um, and, and that open heart, you know, when you get your butt kicked on Mount Everest yeah, and, and you're just crushed, it enables you to wake up the next day and go, you know, I know yesterday sucked, yeah. but, but today is different and, yeah. I, and my heart's open again today. It's a hard thing to shove, to not let that heart close off. Um, uh, and when you're in your basement and you're hopeless, nobody's going to come down into your basement and save you. You got to get right. out. You got to get out into the world and you got to show people that open heart because people will take you under their wing. They'll mentor you. They'll, they'll hug you. They'll, they'll give you what you need yeah. um, uh, to bring you to a new place. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Eric. So Eric, what, what's the best way to um, reach out to you or to find out what you're doing? What's next for you? Um, where, where should we, you know, um, send people? com or nobarriersusa.org. Um, I'm on ins- Instagram and Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah, you can check out my adventures and, uh, and learn more about no barriers. Yeah. And we will share those in the podcast notes. So if you didn't, you know, have something to write that down, you can grab it on the, on the notes. Yeah. So yeah. I got three books, as you yeah. know, Pen. Those yep. are always nice good reading my first was called touch the top of the world my last book was called no barriers yeah. <laughs> of course and those are available through bard um you know through the library yep. of congress um uh, for those of you who you know and they're on i think they're on audible as well aren't they Eric? they are yeah yeah so they're very accessible and are must must read um so, Eric, I always give the guest an opportunity to ask me a question because I've been bombarding you. <laughs> so I'm all about fair is fair. So what would you like yeah. to ask Penn Street? Well, I would like to ask you how your new job is going at this new organization and uh, and and uh, what do you love about it? Oh, Oh my gosh. It is, it, it really was a godsend for me. Um, you know, because like Eric mentioned, I had worked at No Barriers for a really long time and even volunteered before then, before I came on staff. And I thought I was going to be at No Barriers until I retired, uh, which is hopefully a long, long time away. But then COVID hit, right? And, um, you know, they, they had to furlough us off, you know, and they did these waves and I was in the very last wave. But even with that, the staff, you know, we were told like, we're going to bring you back in September. And, you know, so July came and I was furloughed and, and in my head, I was coming back in September, but of course, none of us knew the entire world didn't know what COVID really had in store for us. And so because no barriers is a completely, you know, really in-person experience, they they really had to take it down to a, the very skeleton of the the staff. And so that that was 
that was hard that was for tough. me. That was so hard for me because you know yeah. me. I was I was the biggest. You were hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. <laughs> you were no barriers all through and through. I was and still am. And so yeah. also, but it just freaked me out as being somebody who is blind getting another job. I mean, even in a super awesome economy, um, we're the last to be hired. So um so this this job actually um somebody in um Kevin Worley, if you're out there, um, I doing, know, yeah, you know Kevin. He was the one who actually told me about this this position and that I should get a hold of the executive director right away. And and so I did. I reached out to Kim and um she was like, Penn, it's about to close, get it in now. <laughs> and so I don't, you know. I don't know. It's probably been forever since you've done your resume or anything, Eric, but you always like spruce it up for the next job, right? I didn't even have time to do that. I sent it in (laughs) raw and, um, yeah, after four interviews, they, they chose me and it, it is just wonderful being back, um, in the blind and visually impaired community. And I got to do that at no barriers, but this is, you know, this is full time. And, um, but I've, it, what's neat, Eric, is that, it's such an incredible board and they're so supportive of their staff that when they ask me what, you know, I'm the, they made me the development and outreach director. They asked me what my first fundraiser was going to be. And I was already registered for the, what's your Everest hike with no barriers. I'd already, I was usually always first one in for that. And I said, well, you know, what I would like to do is I would like to take a group of of blind people on this hike with what's your Everest, but turn it into a fundraiser for AINC. And I said, you brought 30 blind folks. I did. And then it was amazing. Yeah. And so we've done that twice now. And the first year we did it, you know, I think we had seven blind people. And then this last year we had, um, we had 24, but we had 67 people on our team and with various disabilities. Make it a hundred next year. I will. That's my goal. So, so yeah. We'll keep uh, elevating for the blind community as well. Absolutely. Hey, Um, the other thing I want to say, it's not a question, but it's a comment. And that is, um, you are the, pretty lucky because you have this husband Moses yes. I've met and hung out with so many times I and am. we were at the summit and you walked by you were like rushing on you know doing something with yeah. your group and Moses turned to me with this kind of like big smile on his face and he goes you can't see my wife but she's beautiful oh <laughs> yeah <laughs> thank you Eric he he is thank you Moses yes but he, yeah, he's, he's just amazing. He continues to push me and support me and, and my dreams and my goals, but he's also there when I, you know, when I'm in my darkest hour too, you know, but he doesn't <laughs> yeah, let me yeah. wallow in it very long. It's that, Good. you know, tough love. So it's, he's, thank you for saying that, Eric. Um, I'll make sure I give him a little extra snuggle tonight for that. So, well, I really, well, Eric, thank you so much. Right. I know how insanely busy you are and, and people are pulling on you, you know, 24 seven. And yeah. I really, really, you know, when I first started this podcast, um, I really wanted you to be my guest for the, the one year anniversary. And so when you agreed, I was just, you know, over the moon, you, you still remain, you know, one of my heroes, one of my mentors, and and will always be. So, thank you so nice. much for 
taking the time. And oh, thanks, Pam. I can't wait for the, the next mountain we climb together. Awesome. So, thank you so much. Thank you. I also want to thank Audio Information Network of Colorado because without them, we would not, this podcast wouldn't be possible. I get to do the fun side, which is get to talk to these amazing people like Eric every single week, but they're the ones that do the hard work. So thank all of you out there. Um, it, you've, you've really lifted this uh, podcast to new heights over the last few months, and I really, really, really appreciate it. And everybody out there who's listening all over the world, the comments that you send in and the, the tips and the, the people that you introduce us to, we couldn't do this without you. So thank you so, so much. And remember this week, um, be kind to yourself and find a way to be kind to someone else. It's good for your soul. Thank you again, Eric. <laughs>